With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about find that time is going by faster. So, yeah, there's that. Welcome to the show. I am Leticia Huang, your humble host, along with my very awesome co-host, Thomas Smith and Melissa Palu. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. 
Uh, but Letitia, I got an issue there with you. You're calling yourself old, and you're three years younger than me. So, what are you saying about me there? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Just uh, talking about myself. Whistle, whistle. Okay. You saying I'm old? That's what you're saying, little lady. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm young, so, so I don't know. You are. So, you know. Oh yeah. You are a babe in the woods. Yeah. Although you are teaching me things I never wanted to learn. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> we are gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> uh, okay, Thomas, would you please do us the honors of starting our show for us? Absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter thirty verse nineteen says, "I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore." Choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we're thankful for another opportunity to host True Life Friday's radio here on True Radio Presents Network, Lord. Father, we are thankful to once again myself, Melissa, and Leticia to all be unified together to be able to bring truth in the pro-life movement. So, Father, I just ask that you would just anoint our message today, Lord God, that the information that we put out, the commentary, will serve to wake people up and to cause them to know and to think and to consider life options. Lord, we say we love you and we bless you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Now, all the juicy stuff in the show is coming a little bit later. And in in comparison, what we're going to talk about right now is maybe a little bit boring, but it is still very important. Um, Remember months and months ago when Texas passed a second bill. Do you remember back before the 2014 elections? where uh, our our favorite pink sneaker, liberal Democrat, <laughs> pro-choice woman mm-hmm. in Texas who ran for governor, uh, decided, right. our abortion Barbie, <clears throat> decided to um, filibuster a Texas pro-life bill. Uh, Texas, the Texas state legislature went on to pass a, another bill that was just like it one that she knew would pass and she didn't bother to uh, filibuster. Uh, Not that the filibuster the first time um, did anything but to send a message. It was just a protest filibuster. She knew that. Um, But anyway, uh, that law passed, and something like 11, do I have that right, 11 abortion clinics in Texas closed in a matter of weeks after that law went to effect, into effect. And then it was held up in court because, of course, uh, Planned Parenthood and pro-choice activists were going to challenge it into court, and it went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And thank you, Jesus, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that HB2 in Texas um, that requires abortion clinics to abide by basic safety standards 
mandates, have doctors need to have uh, hospital privileges, and uh, the, the putting and it puts a little bit of regulation on abortion clinics uh, was fine. They they let the law go to effect. The fifth court, fifth circuit court of appeals ruled that it was okay. And now more abortion clinics are going to shut down because of it. So I say, hey, you can shout hail Satan all you want, but I don't really think that changes uh, judges' minds. Now, given the nature of how things turn out in this country, uh, I'm relieved, I'm happy, I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm very over and above relieved. Because I don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of faith in this, this country's judges anyway. Um, but I'm relieved that they re- they ruled this way because, yes, Texas, by per constitutional uh, legis- and legislative ability, can impose regulations on abortion clinics. Yes, they can. Si se puede. <laughs> yes, they can. Mm-hmm. And this type of law that requires abortion clinics to have the same or at least a minimum standard of care that other quote-unquote health care clinics have is not an undue burden on anybody. Well, it is a burden, but it's not an undue burden. And abortion clinics can either abide by those regulations or they can shut down, and many have Mm -hmm. chosen to shut down tells you a lot, doesn't it? It tells you yeah. that they would rather shut down, move somewhere else, set up a, you know, abortion clinic in Mexico rather than be held accountable for the mm-hmm. health and safety of women. Tells you what abortion is really all about. Mhm. Right. Yeah, the abortion industry, I've been uh, very shocked at um just the haughtiness of this movement and the um, attitude of being untouchable and um, the unwillingness to, to be regulated, unlike every other <clears throat> medical field, which they claim that it's, it's, you know, a medical choice between a woman and her doctor, but yet there is just this attitude of, um, of the science when it comes to making it safer for women who they supposedly are there to, um, to serve and to help and, and those sort of things. Um, I mean, our doctors here uh, at our our biggest clinic here in Charlotte, neither one, not only do they not have hospital-admitted privileges, they, their hospital privileges have been revoked <laughs> because of <laughs> medicine. So they, they cannot even go to a hospital and perform any sort, a local hospital and perform any sort of medical procedure in a hospital, but yet they are free and allowed by <clears throat> Health, Health and Safety Commission to do these procedures on women every single day. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beyond me. Guess who else it doesn't, doesn't work have with, It doesn't admitting. work with any other field except this field, and that's why it's obviously that there's something more here. It's not not about a medical decision between a woman and her doctor. All right. But guess who else doesn't have medical admitting privileges in those states? Mafia doctors. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Would you rather go, would you go to why are mafia doctors not having legitimate practice like like doctors you can look up even look up in the yellow pages because they you know for lack of a better term they suck at doctors doctoring 
they may have mm-hmm. East Biomedical School with a C average. <clears throat> they might have graduated. They might have become a quack after they graduated. Right. But there's a reason why they are under the table. Right. Because they can't be legitimate doctors. And mm-hmm. and abortionists are not legitimate doctors in this regard. They are not mm-hmm. working to save anyone's life. They are not working to heal any disease. They're not working to help anybody live longer or or live better. Mm-hmm. What do they actually do? So, you know, functionally, are they really doctors? I don't think so. Not by that definition. Not by that perspective. I'm saying based on the Hippocratic oath, absolutely not. Oh, well, yes, of course. But, you know, I don't think the – I don't think – uh, medical students have had to take the Hippocratic Oath for many years now. I think that's been optional. So, mm. you know, here's to having confidence in your doctors, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you might want to ask you know, the next your doctor the next time you see them uh, whether or not they took the Hippocratic Oath when they graduated from medical school. It might tell you a lot about them. Um, so, yes, so that that so the the beauty of this law and okay we're going to deal with a little bit about you know the objections just just for a few minutes objections to this law um it has been successful at closing down a large number of abortion clinics it will continue to shut down abortion clinics yes it has its limitations but that is not a weakness in the law so one of the objections that i can hear uh, going on is, oh, women will go somewhere else. Babies will still be aborted. Uh, yes. The answer is yes. Yes, they will go to go somewhere else. They are likely to go to a nearby pregnancy center. Ever think of that? No, because the objections always presuppose that women, these same women and the same number of women are going to seek abortions Abortions elsewhere at another abortion clinic. Some Mm -hmm. may, but more likely a a number of them are going to seek actual help because Mm -hmm. nobody then is pushing them to take the easy way out and get an abortion. So, you know, yeah, go ahead. I've always, I've always found that argument or that, um, that, that yeah, the argument that they, that they use um, very to be very condescending to women. It's an assumption that um, they will not, when turned away or when there are not abortion resources in their immediate area, that they will not therefore think through this, their decision and make the right decision. That they mm-hmm. automatically are going to seek um, safety and relief in an abortion procedure, and that's. To me, that's just it, it's one-sided. It assumes that all women will act a certain way, and I think that that's condescending um, to think that they're just going to go and just, you know, do go to the ends of the earth to have an abortion. When in actuality, like you said, they could actually use the time and effort to find actual resources um, for their child and for themselves, as opposed to just seeking the, the fast and easy route out. Exactly. Exactly. Now there's a it, it, just, yeah, it questions women's judgment in general. Yes. 
Yes. So now that, you know, we free up options for women to, to actually choose other things um, and ending the baby killing in a particular area, I think, is a positive move. Is it meant to be a a small mesh dragnet that will end all abortions? No, no law can actually do that. Everybody knows. We have laws against murder, yet murder still happens. Mm-hmm. So the reality of it is, yes, even even if there are no abortion clinics open in the United States anywhere, will abortion still take place? Yes, it will. No law will ever change that. So, you know, I don't want to hear too many objections to laws that limit the access. Yes, I do want to limit access. Limiting access to abortion because it helps women to have, like you said, take time, make better choices, and find better people to help them. Um, so I, I don't want to hear those type of objections because they ring so hollow to me. And mm-hmm. a better strategy, I would say, if you have if you have, you know, any kind of skin in this game, is to put your money where your mouth is. Support a pro-life pregnancy center then. Volunteer, donate, whatever. And make those resources available to women who might be abortion-minded. Sounds like a mm-hmm. good strategy to me. You know, yes, babies will still be aborted. So, you know, so says the argument that numbers don't matter. Well, actually, uh, they do. When we're talking about the status quo, which is right now, abortion clinic is open. Abortion is legal throughout all nine months of pregnancy. Anybody can mm-hmm. get an abortion for practically any reason versus right. what can be done. What can be done? We are trying to take that number and cut it down. We can't eliminate it because there's a little thing called Roe v. Wade standing in the way. So when we can cut it down, yes, I'm going to want to cut it down. And and I'm I'm really confused by, like, our president and the pro-abortion industry. Um, The the language that they used to use was the whole safe, legal, and rare um, mantra that, you know, we want to keep abortion protected, but we want it to be safe um, and, and rare. Um, so now that we're trying to make it rarer <laughs> and we're trying to make it safer, um, there is all this fight and there is all this, this tension and opposition. Right. So it, it, it is, it's such a bait and switch with this issue. And I found that they can say what they want and people will, will just eat it up. And they can contradict themselves over and over and over. And when it comes to the issue of abortion, they are allowed to do that and to get away with it as opposed to other issues. Well, of course, they, they are allowed to get away with it. They yes. don't want to say anything more. <laughs> no, and you know, and their actions will show what they really mean. Um, mm-hmm. I've always said that Planned Parenthood never met a, a an abortion regulation or a pro life law that it ever supported, and it hasn't. The record is a hundred percent never having supported any regulation whatsoever. Um, right. As in the case, here's another example of. Of exactly that, NARAL, um, <clears throat> NARAL admits in a in a letter they're sending out a letter uh, to to their supporters to fight HR 36, and that's in the House of Representatives. It's the Pain Capable Unborn Child Protection Act. It would ban abortions after 20 weeks. Um, never met a pro life law. They didn't oppose. <laughs> 
and we've got tons. And no abortion, my, no pro-abortion organization has ever gone on record as saying, yes, I think this is a good law, whatever it is. And so now, let me, let me, let me just slide into our next, um, next aspect of the story. Now, NARAL is, is writing these letters to their supporters talking about how they should uh, oppose H.R. 36. And in the letter, the person who wrote who writes the letter, um, let me see what her name, Dana Weinstein, tells mm-hmm. a whole story about when she was pregnant. And she says, when I was more than 20 weeks pregnant, my doctor discovered our baby had horrifying severe fetal anomalies that could not have been discovered earlier in pregnancy. She goes, even she even said it's our loved baby that her the child in her womb was their loved baby, and she decided because of this fetal anomaly. Uh, well, let me just read it to you. She writes, "If I'd carried our wanted and loved baby to term, she would have survived only for a short time in a world of immense suffering. So we chose to our to end." our baby's pain. There's two things that, with the help of LifeSite News, we wanted to point out to you. First of all, Dana Weinstein has identified her unborn baby as a baby, not Mm -hmm. a fetus. She didn't say our loved fetus. (laughs) She didn't say our suffering fetus. And two... She assumed that the baby feels pain in the womb. Mm-hmm. Remember, at at the moment, uh, the, the, they projected that if the child were to be born, would have some kind of physical defect and have a suffering life outside of the womb. But she spoke about mm-hmm. her baby's pain while the baby was inside the womb. And so she justified aborting her child to spare her child from the pain the child feel, felt at that time. Hmm. So, in in this letter, they implicitly admit that unborn babies, one, feel pain, and two, they really are babies. <laughs> because, let's inject a little metaphysics into this. If we are talking about what a what a human life would be like after a child is born with a disease or a genetic anomaly or whatever, with a condition, and we say to ourselves, oh, what a horrible life that will be. Oh, what pain and suffering. We are identifying that future little person that's suffering and has a life full of pain with the child that's existing in the womb today. And as we know, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, all abortion activists have tried for decades now to separate the identity of the person in the womb, saying it's not a person, and the person outside of the womb. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot have it both ways. You cannot project the future pain of your little one in the womb to a child outside of the womb that's been born who doesn't even exist yet. Because that person it does never exist until something emerges from the birth canal. And the little one 
inside your womb today. You cannot have it both ways. So either there is a a continuous person that is both in the womb and out of the womb, or you have a magic baby that comes out of the birth canal out of nothing, (laughs) uncaused and out of nothing, um, (laughs) into existence, after which a fetus just kind of disappears, or the child in the womb is the child that you have later on. You just, you, mm-hmm. It's one or the other. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, I don't know, their, their case for abortion and their supposed compassion, it just continues when you really examine it. It continues yeah. to break more and more and more. I mean, and I'm not talking about people who just look at, you know, just um, break things down or examine things on an emotional level. But when you just think about it, like with common sense, logic, reason, um, it just continues to make the case more and more against their their stance and their position. And, and it really shows how really evil <laughs> their actions are. And I, uh, I just, I don't get how they can put things out like that. And it's, it's, Again, it's accepted. No one, we don't apply these same um, standards uh, to any other, to other issues. With this, it, it becomes such a pro-abortion. I, I guess when you just have such a pro-abortion mindset, mm-hmm. um, it just it, it affects your whole train of thought. <laughs> um, and well, yeah, and you can make a contradiction. You can make contradictions and sound, roll off your tongue. I mean. Right. Yeah, it's just total, total um, contradiction in her her rationale there. But that, right. that's excellent commentary. Um, and yeah, that's and that's on top of opposing a, a bill that that really acknowledges um, just a minimum level of humanity in the unborn. I mean, to acknowledge that our that fetuses feel pain, that unborn children feel pain while they're mm-hmm. in the room, in the womb, really, I mean, it causes a gut reaction in people. I mean, mm-hmm. because they they instinctively understand that if abortion kills and the abortion procedure causes pain, we we automatically think. You know, only that we we have this gut reaction that what we're doing causes pain to another person. Mm-hmm. Just this week, just this week, I I saw like eight or nine stories on my Facebook feed about how people have been cruel to animals, and that such people should okay. be sent to prison. You know, you know, with a horrible sentence, and that they should be beaten and chained up and have their mouths tied together too, just like that. You know, what happened to little dogs and cats and whatever. And why do people people have that kind of gut reaction? Because average human being does not want to be cruel to anybody, much Mm -hmm. less an innocent being. And, you know, animals, we understand, are far more innocent morally, completely innocent from, from the horrible moral things that human beings do. Right. But we can't translate, therefore, you know, 
the outrage to cross over from the four-legged animal at your feet to the innocent growing human being inside a mother's womb. Sorry, this um, um this morning um, because uh, my daughter and I go out on Friday mornings to our our biggest local abortion mill here in Charlotte, a preferred women's health center, and um, there was this this young man who had brought his girlfriend there to have an abortion, and he was just so angry at me for bringing uh-huh. my daughter to an abortion clinic and for having her there on the sidewalk with me, proclaiming truth and life and the gospel, and he was just livid at me about that and, and verbally attacked me about that. And I could not understand how he I tried I tried to explain to him but he was just too angry, but he was he was vis- visibly angry at me for having my child at an abortion clinic to save lives when he has brought his his girlfriend and, and child there to end that child's life. And you you wonder it, it that's how you know it's a spiritual thing. Because the uh-huh. the inability to even process that and how how it's worlds apart, <laughs> how one is evil and one is not, is so clouded. And like I said, I tried to explain it to him and break it down for him and to get him to question his decision about being there with his unborn child, who is, you know, who is very much as alive as my daughter, who is two. Right. And he, he could not get it. So, yeah, the, the double standards are really um, shocking. And, yeah, so, and you know, we pray for people in that situation mm-hmm. because, you know, their conscience is crying at them. You know, mm-hmm. why is it that, I mean, and I think the guy, I mean, if your daughter had not been there, he might have just breezed by you and never said a word. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right. seeing a Seeing a young child there, it, I, you know, him. it does. But why? But why? That's right. the question. But why? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is a child's presence so much more um, ev- evocative? Evocative. Why does it provoke feelings within him? Whereas, you know, a bunch of adults standing around, he wouldn't even blink an eye. Why? Because mm-hmm. we know in in the center of our hearts, in our minds, we know that abortion kills a child. And the more they see a child closer to the age of their own child, the harder it is to comprehend the the rightness of, of taking your girlfriend to an abortion clinic and ending the life of your baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is I mean, you you have to look at I mean, look at babies and then walk into an abortion clinic. Your average human being has a very hard time doing that, and the question is why? Why is that so hard? And and that is called suppressing the truth when you can't talk about that. When you have to just respond in anger and storm by and just be angry and and suppress all that. I would have loved right. to know if he if he if he was just screaming at you. You just you know if somebody had asked you know why are you so upset? Why does this bother you? And if he allows himself to think for, think about it for even a split second, you know I'm I'm hopeful. I you know I'm, I'm trying to be an optimist yeah. there that it would crack a shell. He would stop the car. You'd turn around and drive away. 
Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. He did, he did in, in passing say, well, I didn't even want her to do it. But, you know, it's her choice. And, and so uh-huh. I felt like perhaps, perhaps he has some guilt. And at that moment, we're obviously the ones who are going to feel um, the anger from him because of his inability to, um, to convince his girlfriend to do otherwise. And so it is a, a human response to, uh, you know, just to, to displace your anger and those, those sort of things. So, you know, in those in instances, we just prayed, you know, and, um, yeah, um, you know, and just let the Lord do his, his work. So, Amen. That's right. Well, and other colorful things in Texas happening in Texas. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, here. here's the thing. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pool party incident and how it got turned into a racial issue in a long chain of stories now that, that sound really similar. Police brutality, racial issues, um, fill in the blank. And the question I have here is, and we're not going to talk about this at length because that's not a story that I want to talk about today. I don't see a an overt pro-life um, message there that needs to be teased out except for what we've been talking about all the time is that race really does not matter in how you should treat people and whether this was a white cop or a black teenager um, that really should not be an issue so mm-hmm. we have people going out but 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 we have people going ape and out of control over and and unlike unlike what's happened in Baltimore unlike what's happened in, Fer- in Ferguson I think in Texas the police department said this. You know, they came under the under the new syndrome, which I will dub fear of Ferguson, and did whatever was politically expedient to try to make this all go away. Uh, and that, yeah. you know, that's all I have to say about that. Now, um, tech, uh, Thomas, are you still on the line here? Thomas, you got to unmute me. Oh, gotcha. You wanted to bridge that over into something else. Yep. Let's okay. talk about McKin- let's talk about McKinney for a minute. Hold that thought. Got to take a drink. You have one minute. <laughs> no, I take as long as I need. Not really, but anyway. Okay, you had. What went down in McKinney, uh, everybody made it about race. They said, well, the white kids wasn't harassed. Well, the white kids, first of all, when they were told to leave, they they ran off except the ones who were part of this little group, the little 14-year-old uh, wannabe black kid who was filming it. Here's here's a little interesting thing that nobody mentioned in that video. That cop that was seen was the only cop in the in a crowd of about a hundred kids. When those two other cops ran on the scene, that was the first. They were the they were the second and the third. Mm-hmm. So, having said that, everybody protested. We know what went down. And I'm going to bridge that, and then I'm going to let you guys do commentary 
on what I'm about to say about a story that I just found and I posted. Ten-year-old black teenager was raped, strangled, burnt in her home in Baltimore. Where are the Black Lives Matter protesters at? Where are they at? Exactly. And this is what this this is what I gotta say about them. Until they can care about all black lives and not just the lives of thugs and individual wannabe thugs and both male and female who put themselves in positions for their lack of respect for authority, they're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. That's all I gotta say about that. And you guys take it away because I got I'm gonna put you on mute. So you gonna throw that out there right. and, and and us to come? Man, you're wrong. <laughs> you're so wrong. <laughs> well, Thomas asked, "Where are all the protesters? They're in McKinney, Texas. You know, honking their horns. Uh, that's where they are. Let honking their horns about about uh, stuff that that even the residents themselves say this has been completely blown out of proportion. This is not what it's about." You know what? I I think that here is a good time where we need to inject just a one-liner gospel message here. There is no color that needs to divide people in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we don't even make up racial stories. <laughs> and for me, I can't wait for that day to happen where we don't make up stories about race um, because you know the real stuff is bad enough we do not need mm-hmm. to make up stories so um, with that I want to transition us over to a huge story I've always wanted Nick Wojcik who is the um, who is a huge he has gotten so huge now he is spoken at every major church in the country all over the world he is the public speaker who is a Christian, he was born without arms and without legs. Now, if you've never seen a picture of Nick, I want you to imagine what having no arms and no legs looks like. Um, He, at one point in time when he was young, contemplated suicide, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But he has since become... Um, what we call a motivational speaker. And he is a Christian. He is adamantly pro-life. And thankfully so. I think logically so. Um, And he gave a speech at Full Sail University uh, just a little while ago about his... He doesn't talk about his appearance in a movie that features him, but it, it does talk a little bit about what he thinks in life. And I thought his message was so important you know, this is coming from a man that if this day, you know, he's he's almost 30 years old. So, you know, when he was born, he was born probably without the benefit of, of the kind of urging for abortion that babies have today. And his parents did not know that he had miss, missing arms and legs. But had they known... I am 100% positive his doctors, her, the parents' doctors, 
would have pressured her, his mom, to abort. I'm so glad that he was not aborted. I'm so thankful that he was not aborted. And I think it's the providence of God that he is here alive on earth because everybody needs to see him, listen to him, and be confronted about what life is is worth. Um, Whether or not you have all the faculties that a normal human being ought to have. Mm-hmm. And so let me play this for, for our audience. Let me play this for you. It's a little long, so, you know, if you need to take a get a drink and stuff, um, he'll be speaking. It's about 15 minutes long, but it's every minute is worth it. All right? Now, just remember, he has no arms and he has no legs. And I don't have video, just audio, so listen carefully. I'm glad that you enjoyed the film. I, I do want to say, though, that I had no writing credits, no nothing, in that I was just uh, uh, just one little piece in that whole thing. And uh, it, was, it was a little nerve-wracking at first. My palms were sweaty, my knees were shaking. I didn't know exactly what to expect, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful. In, in every season of my life, as a young 27-year-old, uh, you roll with the punches. You, you don't know what's around the corner until you go around the corner. And tonight I've been asked to um, delightfully, I say yes, to the request of me sharing just a little bit of motivation and inspiration for you in your own life. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. Um, I, I'm not here to pretend that uh, you know, I understand what you're going through or, or how you feel in your life. And, you know, it's funny when you see a man without arms and legs up on stage with a smile. Um, You sort of subconsciously compare your suffering to my suffering, and in your own mind, your conclusion is that, well, you'll never complain again in your life because you can't imagine how it would be without limbs. However, I believe it's it's worse actually being in a broken home than having no arms, no legs. And I used to say that I believe that the biggest disability of all is fear, but after watching that film, I want to maybe change it up a little bit I think the biggest disability that we have as human beings is unbelief. Everything starts with a vision, and a man without vision dies. And for you here at Full Sail uh, University, I, I personally have seen a lot of things. I've seen a lot of good things. I've traveled 35 countries. I've spoken to Five presidents and four congresses and 750 million people around the world know about my story. But man, I, I need to tell you something. I, I went for a tour with John and Esther for the entire afternoon around this university. And I, I, I seriously salute you. I salute you, John. I salute your wife. I, I salute your whole team here and what you're achieving here. And you students, there is something so special here. And I, I was telling John, I just hate the idea of potential being wasted in this world. And to see what's happening here just really inspires me. But anyway, I uh, want to congratulate you on your success. But I hope where, whoever you are and wherever you are in your life, you're going to be inspired. But before we get into any more serious stuff, I need to open up with a couple funny stories, actually. I always open up with a couple funny stories. When people come and meet me, they don't know what to do with me. You know, do I shake his hand or, you know, whatever. And I, I just hug people. I'm a hugging machine. I've hugged about 350,000 people. Um, we're actually breaking the World Guinness Book of Records of hugs. Uh, in three weeks, we're going to be hugging 1,200 individuals in one hour. And no, they're not going to just pass me down the line, all right? 
But it's really cool how, um, and I'm not kidding about that, but uh, husbands, they, they allow me to hug their wives because they know I'm not going to lay a hand on them or anything. <laughs> but every now and then I get a little nervous that someone's, you know, someone's just going to come up, pick me up and take me home. You know, it's like, what am I going to do, right? Nothing much. <laughs> But uh, look, I, I like to cause some trouble here and there. You know, when you're having a boring day, you've got to change it up. Do something you haven't done before. So one day I was on a plane. I was, co- you know, complaining about my, my leg room on the plane. And uh, so my friends put me in the overhead compartment. <laughs> they put me up there and I could stretch my legs. No, they put me up there and I wanted to freak someone out. So... Yeah, we did. We did. We closed the door. I mean, seriously, if I get in trouble, what are they going to do? Handcuff me or something? Seriously. So, you know, you can cause a little bit of trouble here and there. But uh, I have to tell you, uh, there was this one day where I was in a a car, and I'm in the front seat of the vehicle. And uh, don't worry, I wasn't driving or anything like that. But we were there, and, and, and we're waiting for the lights to change. And this car comes up next to us, and this girl is looking at me. So I'm looking at her, and she's looking at me. I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, cool. I'm like, I want to freak the heck out of her. So I know from the other side, from the outside of the vehicle, when you look in and you see me, all you see is my head from the side. So you have no idea that I have no arms and no legs. So I grab the seatbelt in my mouth, and I loosen it like this, so then I can freely move. Now she's looking at me it's all weird because I'm eating my seatbelt. But with that undivided attention, knowing all she sees is my head, just imagine that's all you see, I just did this. It was incredible, man. I tell you, it was awesome. It was awesome. Anyway, I uh, I have a lot of funny stories, and uh, as I was growing up as a child, I would be quite envious of everybody else around me who had arms and legs, including my brother and sister at times. I was born without limbs for no medical reason. There were times in life where things happen and don't make sense, and I was just sitting on a plane uh, seat next to this guy who was going to visit his mum and his stepfather just died on Friday and they're burying him tomorrow or the day after and you know I was talking with him a little bit and you know there are just some things that we won't understand in this life. There, there are some times where you're going to wish that you could rewind and, and do things all over again. There are times where, where you just wish you could forget memories and you try to drown those memories in alcohol or different pleasures and maybe get distracted by the goals and ambitions of your life and try to put the past behind and move forward. We're all human beings. Please don't get me wrong. I don't wake up every morning with a smile on my face like, Hi, everybody! I have ups and downs. You see my foot? Ups and downs. Ups and downs. The first thing I want you to take away from today is this. You will have good days and you'll have bad days. But you will always learn something more or something new. And you will learn more overall on bad days than good days. You will learn more about yourself. You'll learn more about relationships. You'll learn about life and principles. And it will build your character. If you're a person who wants, let's say... 
improve on your character of patience, let's say. Don't complain when you're waiting in a line. You ain't going to grow in patience until you're put in a place to wait. It's like you go into a gym and, you know, you're walking through the front doors and, you know, you tell your wife or your husband, I'm going to the gym. You go into the gym and you come in three feet and you do a U-turn and you're right out. I went to the gym. Ain't going to do nothing. You've got to go in there. And what are you going to do? You've got to pick up the weights and you exercise the muscles that you want to build. I stand before you without arms and legs but a very strong man because of the bad days in my life. You know how it is. If you didn't go what you've gone through, you wouldn't be who you are today. And I'm not belittling your pain, and don't worry, I've seen pain in my life, and I've seen not only in my life, but people's lives, and people say, well, at least I have no arms, no legs, and then what am I supposed to say? Well, at least I'm not an African orphan who's dying at four years old, and I met that person. What about the 10-year-old girl that was bought for 700 US dollars in Mumbai and kidnapped as a sex slave to have 350 clients before the age of 13, pregnant at 12, put the baby under the bed while she works on top, abandoned by her family. After she pays her debt of 700 US dollars after three years with her child, she leaves on the streets of Mumbai hoping for a new life. No family, no job, no food. Her baby needs food. She gets raped, beaten up on the street. She comes back to the only way that she knows how to make money. She goes back to the brothels. She gets pregnant at 15 the, the second time, and then that child dies. And then 20 years old, she comes up to me. Yes, I have met this woman. She comes up crying. She says, Nick, I just found out I've got HIV AIDS. And I got fired from being a prostitute. What do you say to that? You may have arms and legs, but unless you know three things. Number one, who are you and what your value is? Number two, what is your purpose here in life? And number three, what is your destiny when you're done here? If you don't know the answers of any of those three questions, you're more disabled than I. I, uh, I love old people. I just want to make that the foundation. Love, 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 love. So, <clears throat> my parents were Christian. And I hated God. Hate's a strong word. I hated Him. So why did He give me less? What did I do to deserve that? Kids who pick on me at school, they deserve not to have no arms, no legs, no me. So I read about this God. This God of love. Yeah, right. God has a plan. Yeah, right. God is not partial. Nope. So, it took me a journey. I asked him why. Why was I born this way? And it was seven years later, from age eight, told, telling my mom to, that I wanted to commit suicide. It was 15 years old, actually, seven years later, that I read a story in uh, this book, the Bible. And there was a man who was born blind, and no one knew why he was born that way. And I'm like, bing, wow. Pretty similar to something I know of. Why? Well, he said so that the display of God 
and his power can be strength can be seen and displayed. And I didn't even read on. I didn't even read on at 15. I, I heard about miracles and I didn't know where my miracle was. I'm not against miracles. I've actually seen blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, lame people walking. Uh, I've actually had, a, had a, a miracle in my back. I'll send you MRI scans if you wish. But I'm about to get a doctor's official report of a, an unexplainable healing in my spinal cord. It was hollowing. My 19, uh, I was at 19... Um, my orthopedic surgeon said he's going to have to put rods in my back by 35 years old and I'll be bedridden for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to hear that, so I didn't want to hear anything about it. I had a hole at the top of my spine, about an inch or something, and a hole at the bottom of my spine. It was irreversible, incurable. And uh, went to go back for an MRI scan because I started getting numbing of my nerves and my muscles because of the pinching of my spine of a 55-degree curve in my back, scoliosis. So I went back to the MRI scan, and uh, guess what? The top hole's gone. The bottom hole has just got a little pinhole left, and I've got a pair of shoes in my closet just in case he says yes to me with the other things. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Now, what happened was at 15, I said, you know what? If you had a plan for the blind man, then you've got a plan for me. Whether that means you give me arms and legs or not, I trust you. Because he saved me from something else, much worse than having no arms and no legs, and that's the belief that Jesus did die for my sins, and I don't have to die for mine. I will plead guilty of having other idols before me, misusing the Lord's name in vain, not keeping the Sabbath day holy, not honoring my parents, killing people. I'm a murderer by God's standard because I hate people. That's the Bible, what it says. So I've hated people. So I'm going to plead guilty to any one of those so knowing now that I have been forgiven and I'm a work in progress, I'm not perfect, I'm a work in progress, but forgiven and have eternity. I'd rather have 90 years with no arms, no legs than to see little Daniel with no arms, no legs here on earth and come to heaven with his new body and say, Nick, thank you for being my older brother on earth. If it's only for the one soul, I'm thankful. So that is the truth in the closure and fullness of who I am. Every girl is a princess and I believe that God becomes like your father and you're his daughter. Daughter to a king is a princess. So you're royalty. You were made for royalty. You are wearing a dress. You may just be in a wrong castle. Your value, your purpose, your destiny. Your purpose is to love and love. Um, destiny, that's for me. So that's my story with that. And... Uh, Everything else is more in full in my book coming out on the 26th of October, so I encourage you to get that too, right, Wes? It's going to be very good. And um, we're excited, but I want to thank you for the question. I want to thank you for your respect. I want to thank you, though, most of all, for your love. I feel it. I thank you for it. And uh, it's just been wonderful here. I've personally been inspired. I've personally been blessed. So thank you, guys. And if you want to know more, um, just go to... Just Google Nick Vujicic and you will find me. Love you guys. Wow. So um, that was, he didn't, he's, no, in other speeches he goes more in depth in his personal story, but I think that was enough um, for the purposes that, that, that of this show, of his speech, is to show that, you know, there's so many questions that he answered within that speech. So many life questions. 
And the one Mm -hmm. huge lesson that I hope, pray, wish, plead, cry for, beg for people who find themselves on the pro-abortion side of things Mm-hmm. Is to is to realize that there are no people that are worthless, that right. don't have a purpose in life, that can't find a purpose because there is a great God that uh, oversees who who has life in, on this earth, and He does not forget anybody. And to Mm-mm. stop being so judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yes, judgmental, 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 judgmental. When you actively say that certain babies can't be born on this earth because of X, Y, Z reason that has nothing to do with uh, anything, really, except convenience and excuses, that is just so judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I do not want to hear people tell Christians like me, oh, you know, the only verse in the Bible that they ever know is when Jesus says, don't judge this. You know, first of all, okay, fine. Okay, don't judge. So don't do it too. All right? There you go. When we tell people, when we say if some certain human beings don't deserve to be on this planet with the rest of us, that is judgmentalism of the highest order. I couldn't I couldn't find a, a more judgmental thing to say than that. Um so, you know, if you're going to break the rules, <laughs> whatever those rules are for you, I can too. And then mm-hmm. and by the way, Jesus Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say don't judge. Period. Right. Uh but that is but we we've been through that and we're going to be through that uh, another time, not today. But so we let's go to the stupidest thing ever today because it's just so good. It is just precious. And my music will play. Hey. Oh, here we go. The buzz on the internet today is the president of the NAACP from the state of Washington, uh, Spokane, Washington, has been outed by her parents not to be a black woman, but a white woman. And the entire internet is a buzz with how she has pretended to be a black woman for many years now, lying about all aspects of her life, and now being caught. And the funniest thing about this is um, is that, why does it matter? <laughs> there's, there's so many things that we can go through. First of all, first thing I want to talk about is um, is, is the joke I put up. Um, on my Facebook account, and it, it shows when her parents came out to a, a magazine uh, outing her, and they had proof. They showed her birth certificate. Yes, you know this woman, Rachel Dolezal, is our daughter. Here's her birth certificate. Here are photos of her as a mm-hmm. child, and Dolezal's photos show her today. Today, I mean, first of all, today, if you look at her, um, 
you could say she's she has pretty light skin for a black person um, that she claims to be. But then when you look at her photos when she was a child, you're like, oh, yeah, that is no question. That is a white Caucasian child. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I'm looking at her today photos, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's tan. Although she'd do even better if she tanned more like that British woman who tanned so, her off so often that her skin looked like a brown leather couch. Um, mm. I think that would have made it more convincing. <laughs> Yeah, but you know the, the photos. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yes, yes. I, yes. She looks like. I mean, one of my friends on the radio said her skin looked like a a catcher's glove, a catcher's mitt. But anyway, leather. It was leather. Yes, that's right. I mean, she looked like a brown leather couch. I kid you not. But photos provided <laughs> by all parents show her as a young girl. She's totally white, With- totally Caucasian. Now, I'm fair skin, very freckles, blonde hair. Photos by her parents show her, um, okay, I'm not, I'm normally one to judge another's ethnicity on appearances alone, just so you guys know, but I think she could pass as a member of the Von Trapp family. And that is why um, I have the photo meme of the entire Von Trapp family, and I said any of these children, or so all of these children, can be NAACP presidents. And, you know, with her diverse background, diverse ethnic background as Czech, Swedish, German, and maybe a teensy bit Native American, which doesn't really show at all. Uh, So... Yeah, okay, so what is the big controversy? What have people cleverly, cleverly showed uh said and I and I applaud everybody for being so quick to catch on. So everybody's outing this person, calling her a fraud for trying to be a black woman when she is as white as the driven snow. What is the big deal? The big deal the big deal is that just last week, everybody was saying that uh, Bruce Jenner can become Caitlyn Jenner, and we need to identify and accept and tolerate people and give them a plat on the back of approval for whatever gender they feel and sex they feel they identify with. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Ms. Dolezal feels like mm-hmm. a black woman. And she can even spin mm-hmm. a story and so she's always felt like a black woman. Mm-hmm. And so she should be seen as a black woman. Yep. What's wrong with that? Ladies and gentlemen. And why Absolutely why should she be considered enough. a fraud for that? Right. What is that, Thomas? I said absolutely nothing's wrong with that. If she right. won, if if she uh, wants to be black, so be it. But now, you know what? Okay, so as a black woman, um, the irony of this all is, again, you have people saying don't judge. People, you know, in, in my sphere of influence, there are also black women and black men. Don't judge, don't judge. Bruce Jenner is who he is. Not, it's not your business. Um, but when it comes to issues of race, 
which we, our nation is polarized right now, it becomes an issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, and I, th- th- that's the thing. Like, are we going to be consistent or not? Are we going to apply the same ethics and the same, um, you know, just the same, what's the, like, just metaphysical truths about gender and race and these things that are inherent to us? Um, as we do with with these issue of gender reassignments and this sort of thing, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens out of this discussion um, within the NAACP. I'm really interested to see what they have to say. <laughs> yes, um, after I stop laughing, um, be interested in what they have to say. But you know, why not? We, I mean, there's the hashtag transracial going out there right now. There's also the hashtag mm-hmm. wrong skin. There's, and let me add another thing. Uh, why not? Um, totally lost my train of thought there, but why not um, accept people how they want to be seen? How? Why not accept people and accept their their fraudulent behavior to go with it? So she she lied about um, she lied well she lied about her skin color. She's lied about her. Her, who her father is. She showed a picture of a black man and said, that's my dad, and that's not really her dad. She lied about um, <clears throat> her her adopted brother. She said that her adopted brother, who is, who is black, it was actually her son, um, and that's not true. Uh, she lied about... Her... I was going to say, who does her hair? Who does her hair? <laughs> and I need, can I, I touch him? him? <laughs> Honestly, I have never asked anybody, any black person, anybody that question. I do not want to touch anybody's hair. Okay. Well, so. I, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, no, I I can't feel your pain there because I don't want to touch anyone's hair. Um. So I. So she's she's pretended to be a black woman. Mm-hmm. She's she had let's say for lack of a better term she had uh, instead of a gender reassignment mm-hmm. surgery she had racial reassignment mm-hmm. surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is anybody going to criticize that? And why? But somehow I also heard a lot of people being completely offended by her actions. Mm-hmm. And the question is, why? Why are you offended? And I think the truth oh, oh, of the oh. matter is... Let me answer it. Let me answer it. Let me answer it. Okay. Let me tell you Go why. ahead. Let me tell you why they're offended. Okay. Because they think that she, as a white woman, pretending to be black, she has enough white privilege that she don't need to be hogging all the black privilege or lack thereof. There you go. <laughs> that, if I well, understand well, correctly, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I would say that some would maybe even say because she's identifying with those who don't have supposed white privilege that she may be doing a moral upstanding thing. But think about this. What if I, as a black person, I felt like in my heart and my soul and everything that I'm a white, that I'm really white, and I try to lighten my skin. What am I going to be called? 
a race hater, self-loathing, you know, bigot. All the things we're already as yeah, things we're already called as black conservatives. So it it just it, I'm telling you, liberalism can spin this thing this thing around in a way, but they're going to have a hard time with this one though. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you'd be called yes. You'd be called a number of things. Not you know. I was expecting you to say a traitor to your race, and um, as if you know, the skin color. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Skin color is your your badge of identity. I know. I'm not not about identity politics at all. But it's, exactly. It, at the uh, at the very least, the way that this has come about is extremely absurd. It's funny. And you have to laugh unless uh, if you don't laugh, you'll just cry. You'll just break down and right. cry. And this is a, as absurd as it gets. Um, you know, where we have, like we said earlier, we have two contradictory ideas that liberals hold in their minds, and it is time to call that out. You cannot live life have wanting it both ways. People, mm-hmm. angry, uh, people are angry because. Of different reasons, um, I think the one that makes the most sense is that she just she she lied about who she is in order to get the job she has. Um, the NAACP has written a statement saying, "Oh, you know, you don't have to be black to be a president and chapter president." Yeah, I get that. Okay, yeah, but that's not it. Can you be? You can be a white person and be an NAACP chapter president, but can you be a white person pretending to be a black person? And be and the level of ACP after president. That's the question. Right. And you pretend to be somebody you're not in order to be a chapter president. Um, but I think people are upset that she uh, can't. This can be taken a million ways, but I think they're mainly upset because they're 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 offended, thinking that race is something you can make up in your life. And you can just put on another racial heritage, background, look, whatever, like you put on your clothes. Because tomorrow Mm -hmm. she can stop going to the tanning salon. She can stop doing whatever it is that she does to her hair, and she can look like a white person again. Mm -hmm. And y'all know black people can't do that, unless you're Sammy Sosa. And Yeah, we can't can't alter our hair and our, yeah, we can't do that, yeah. Right, and she has used, and talk about the outrage that we've heard before about white people using black culture, you know, to make money off of it. Isn't that what she has actually done here? Um, You know, I don't think that white people normally, you know, they go, oh, go to the islands for vacation, get cornrows, braids in their hair. You know, I think it looks like braids. I don't think people are trying to be black. Or pretend to be black. They still know that they're white when they get cornrows. Yes. I just think it's a braid. Can't a braid just be a braid? Why does everything have to be symbolic of somebody's culture and heritage? It's just a braid. Um, But this is an example of her going to, a woman going to great lengths to change people's perception of her completely, to be what she is not. And... I hope and pray that people will think about what that means, metaphysically, and what that means. Um, On the surface, I don't have a problem. If she can get real tan, do something with her hair, and 
and and make up a persona for her and and be close and march in in Black Lives Matter marches and rah rah rah. That's fine. My, she wants to look different. My my biggest beef is that she got hooked up with and is leading the most racially divisive one of what I believe is one of the most racially divisive organizations in NAACP. So in <laughs> yeah, her plight so in her plight for blackness, she identified with I mean, basically uh, a, a, a organization that has a great history and legacy, but yet in, in modern times has become the lowest common denominator and has been mm-hmm. has not has not helped or impacted anyone. So that that's my saddest thing about this whole thing. And she really, who she, you know, which we know who she is, but that she identified with this organization and, and is leading this organization, which is not helping or moving race relations forward in any way. Right, and she's she's hindering it. She's part of the what's hindering Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, now, whether she has a mental problem or not, it doesn't matter. Um, people are yeah, reacting to what has happened. I mean, it's very it's very possible she's got a mental problem. Um, and I'm I'm open to that, um, and I'm not I'm not saying you know she's she's a bad person. I'm saying this is what she has done. She has been deceptive about who she is, gone and taken a role that is also not helping in society, and people are angry for for like for for good reason because of the deception, and all that all the ramifications from it. Um, and this is regardless whether she has a mental problem or not. Um, so what what I the takeaway I have from this is that, you know, liberals have really gotten this country into a racial pickle. Mm-hmm. Because now, and I'm so glad we have people, mental illness or not, willing to go that extra mile to expose the absurdity. That is racial identity politics in this country. Because you can have ridiculous examples like this woman, like Rachel Dolezal Von Trapp, pretending Von Trapp. to be. <laughs> yes, Von Trapp. <laughs> pretending to be a black woman to gain some kind of, I don't know, status, favor, notoriety, whatever it she's after and you come and and things have to come to this 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 conundrum for people to see hey maybe this idea of race has been completely blown out of proportion completely undermines the kind of racial unity everybody preaches about but nobody engages in and what I want to say about that in terms of the kingdom of God is let it not be like that in the church. Let it not be like that where we identify people and people wrap who they are and what they are um, around what they look like instead of being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. We are right. all... You know, we all look like something, but, right. but does that have to be everything that I am? And I think that Jesus Christ dying on the cross, showing cross culturally, you know, a Jewish man 
a Jewish man dying 2,000 years ago for me from a culture that probably Jews at that time didn't even know existed on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. So that I can yes. spend an eternity with him. And my identity is supposed to be wrapped in his the creation of myself and what he's done for me. Not what I see in the mirror. Right. You're preaching right now, Leticia. I am. <laughs> can I get you an are. amen? <laughs> amen. Yep. Right. Amen. So, and, and that's, okay, before I just, you know, soapbox my way into tomorrow, that's that's the bottom line. I really hope people see that this stuff is the stupidest thing ever. Um. Mm-hmm. Racial identity politics is, to me, the most absurd thing, yet it has so much power in our politically correct world. It's, it boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want to say about that. My two co-hosts, you guys can wrap it up, and we can call it a night. We have talked about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> We have. Goodness gracious. Well, I've been listening to you about a lot. I uh, was having a few minor health issues there. So. Well, but Thomas, I'm you know okay. you need to be taking care of yourself. And we'll yep. be praying for you, brother. Absolutely. I love right. you guys, too, and um, bless love you, you and... Uh, I still got to get out to North Carolina to meet me some Eliana, Devin, and Melissa. Yes, sir. We will make it happen. Got to. Because I want to I wanna hug that little baby of yours. But she's not so <laughs> little anymore. Um, if, you can hold her, if, you, if you can get her to sit still for one second and hug her, that'd be great. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, is, October. Is she turning three? No, well, she just she just turned two in March, so oh, she's uh, at a whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh, but she's okay. still little and and but active and mm-hmm. Just, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know that every, I know that tone of voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, October, <laughs> what is it? October sixteenth, seventeenth. The National Apologetic Conference. Yes, that's right. It is October. It is in October. Oh, uh, let me look here. Cause, yeah, people definitely need to come out. Because, you know, we honestly, we've been doing some, every year they've been adding abortion tracts um, in the um, in the conference to deal with apologetic or pro-life apologetic. So it's October the 16th and 17th here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So let us know if you have any questions about that. We can uh, click you up and get you out here and those sort of things. So. Oh, yeah. All, All right, right, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you in the next episode, next podcast for True Life Fridays Radio here on Blog Talk Radio as part of the True Radio Network. Have a good night, everybody, and see you then. God bless, everyone. All right. God bless.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.